Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And now your host, not an alderman. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this I Love Michael Bloomberg Friday. And here's why. Correct. Yes. <laughs> These titles aren't getting that creative. What was yesterday? I love Rex Hupke Thursday, and here's why. Oh, yeah. I can remember. What a good memory you have. Oh, I am the producer of this show. God damn impressed. You have a crutch, my friend. Um, I love Michael Bloomberg Friday, and here's why. Because I love Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> Thought those words would never escape my mouth. Let me just explain. Michael Bloomberg is the former mayor of New York City. He's a gazillionaire. He's a billionaire with a B. That's billion with a B, D. All right. He's got a lot of money. Now, as I said. Yes, that's billion with a B. Thank you, Mayor uh, Lori Lightfoot. Anyway, uh, so yes, he's billionaire with a B. He's got a lot of money, a lot of disposable income. I think he's worth 50 million, billion, someone told me. 50, I think I read that somewhere, 50 billion. 50 million billion? <laughs> oh my God, he's really rich. He's The man's rich, okay? And when he's rich, he's rich. To quote Jake Giddies, when you're right, you're right. Oh, anyway. Boy, millennials hang tight. $50 billion, a lot of money. Now, as I said, I never thought those words would escape my mouth. Politically speaking, we're opposites. He's a right of center moderate. Uh, not even sure he's really a Democrat. He was a Democrat for a while, then he was independent, then he was Republican, and then he was uh, independent, now he's a Democrat. Who knows what he really is, okay? Of course, then on the other hand, uh, Bernie Sanders, who's number one in my polls right now, is not a real Democrat either. He's a Democrat socialist. And he, number one in your heart. Yes, you know, I have the top five that I do, and Bernie's been reigning number one for like three months now, okay? Anyway. So why do I say I love Michael Bloomberg so much? Well, because this dude is de <laughs> determined to defeat Donald Trump. Uh, he despises Donald Trump's administration. He probably can't stand Donald Trump for a million reasons that you would need to be a psychologist to pick apart. Who knows? Who cares? He cannot stand Donald Trump, and he's kicking in lots and lots of money to beat him. And there was a story in the New York Times I read last night, D. I almost called you. I was so happy, but I knew it was too late to call you because it was like about, I don't know, midnight or so. When, so one thing yeah, I was in bed. Yeah, he, young Dennis goes to bed quite early. He yes, said, you to sleep. He's usually at bed about 10 p.m. every night going to bed Ben don't bother me oh, I don't say that <laughs> going to bed don't bother me Ooh. he calls me at 10 I'm about to go to bed no more phone calls don't call me to talk about Zion Williamson or and anything don't call me boy <laughs> that too anyway a Bloomberg ad on Fox and Friends hits its target audience when I absolutely love this very much oh, here's the deal folks 
Uh, he's been airing, as you probably know if you watch TV, nonstop commercials for, I don't know, a couple of weeks now, it seems. Three weeks, I've lost track of time. Uh, I'm, I'm not a big TV watcher, I have a confession to make, but when I'm ever uh, watching a game at a bar or something like that, and I see these Bloomberg commercials coming on, I'm like, oh my God, he's really getting that message out there. And it turns out he's got this one ad uh, that slams uh, Donnie Trump for being uh, hostile to the military. I'll read it to you, a uh, description of it. Uh, Let's see. Here we go. Uh, the uh, the ad is based on reporting from a new book, a very stable genius describing the language Mr. Trump used to excoriate military generals during a Pentagon meeting in 2017. The ad described Trump as erratic and pointed to the chaos uh, in his admis- uh, in the Trump administration. Mr. Bloomberg's campaign manager Kevin Sheeky appeared on the show to unveil the ad on a Fox TV show, saying the military is quote an institution that everyone respects. I think people want our commander chief to respect the institution and i think he weakens the country by attacking it the ad struck trump with its focus on a topic he's often been concerned about maintaining support among the military not only that it was on fox tv now trump's advisors have been advising him boss whatever you do ignore bloomberg ignore Bloomberg, okay? The guy's got a billion dollars. He can just air commercials at you. You just want to pretend like he doesn't exist. Ignore Bloomberg. But apparently, young Donald saw that commercial on Fox TV and could not help himself, D. And sure enough, he did exactly what the advisors told him not to do. He tweeted out an attack on Bloomberg. Mini Mike Bloomberg is playing poker with his foolhardy and unsuspecting Democratic rivals. He says that if he loses, he really means win. In the primaries, he will spend money helping whoever the Democratic nominee is. By doing this, he figures they won't hit him as hard... (laughs) It's, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. This is so funny. Won't hit him as hard during his hopeless presidential campaign. They will remain silent. The fact is, when Minnie loses, he was spending very little of his money on those clowns because he will consider himself to be the biggest clown of them all, and he will be right. That is the President of the United States, folks, tweeting out his thoughts on Michael Bloomberg. He did exactly what his advisors told him not to do. He, went, he took the bait, he fell for it, and went after Bloomberg. Do you think Bloomberg's deterred? Hell no. This is a billionaire. That's billion with a B. He's airing even more commercials. He's doubling down. Now, here's the deal. I do not believe Michael Bloomberg will be the Democratic nominee. I believe he is too uh, right. I believe that on many of the issues that I have problems with him, his past, uh, stop and frisk and charter schools being top of the list, being one of those mayors who likes to dole out money to Amazon. Oh, wait a minute. All mayors are like that these days. So take that off the list. There's no better or worse than our own. Uh, but on all these issues that... Uh, make him mm, not my number one pick. I don't even think he's crashed the top five yet, D. Uh, so I doubt very much. I, I would say that most people who vote in the Democratic part primary think along the lines of me, and they're not going to uh, nominate Michael Bloomberg. I could be wrong. Billion dollars is a billion dollars, but I don't think he's going to be the nominee. I mean, you're wrong a lot. Yeah, I am wrong. <laughs> did I did I predict Lori Lightfoot would be next mayor of the city of Chicago? I think I did predict oh, that. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, it's funny. Every dog has his day. <laughs> it's true. A clock is right twice a day. <laughs> 
broken <laughs> watches, right? Twice a day. Anyway, uh, I do not believe he'll be the nominee, but I do believe that he will stay true to his word, unlike Donald Trump, who's very nervous about this, and he'll kick in a billion dollars. Bloomberg said he'll put the billion dollars worth of campaign ads, uh, negative campaign ads about Donald Trump, even if it's Bernie Sanders who's the nominee, even if it's Elizabeth Warren who's the nominee, whose policies he, uh, whose left of center policies he disagrees with. I love it. I absolutely love it. Here's another line from the article. From healthcare to the environment to impeachment, the Bloomberg campaign has been running ads attacking Trump's record nationally, particularly in key swing states. The ad about pre-existing conditions was backed by more than 1.2 million in the Orlando, Florida market alone. But in further tweaks to, to Trump, the campaign is also running ads in his stronghold, such as $14 million worth of ads attacking the president in Texas. I'm telling you, D, Bloomberg as a billionaire is no joke. That's billion with a B. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Hey everybody, how's it going? Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Our Illinois governor is on the downstate hustle today, making it two times, two times in one week that J.B. Pritzker has been out of the city of Chicago. Way to go, sir. Keep it up. We got to talk those downstaters into that fair tax and you hanging in Chicago every day ain't going to cut it, bud. Absolutely. He began in Marion, Illinois. He visited the Heartland Kids Early Learning Center to discuss investments in early childhood education. Then he was off to my neck of the woods, the 618, to a college that I dropped out of because it was really hard, Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. He's speaking on Rebuild Illinois and investments in the school. And later, he'll be at the Vivian T. Adams Early Childhood Center in East St. Louis to once again talk about early childhood investment. So to any of our downstate listeners, yes, that portly, friendly looking fella you saw at your local Schnucks grocery store wearing one of those North Face, no sleevey vest things very well could have been Governor J.B. Pritzker. I'm glad he's down there, aren't you? Yeah. I agree with what you said. He he's, uh, has to be a presence downstate because downstate votes are going to be key for that fair tax. Uh, and he has to allow folks downstate to know that he's their governor, too. Yeah. So let's stop hanging around, just hanging around Chicago. I so got yeah. a lot of Facebook friends downstate. And, uh, boy, they like making fun of Governor J.B. Pritzker. So he's got to get down there and start touring, you know? Well, you know, the fair tax will help them, presumably, unless they're enormously wealthy. I know you have a lot of wealthy fan uh, friends from downstate, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, We're balling. Yeah. All so of us. Uh, uh, the fair tax would help them as well. But there's this notion that somehow or other the fair tax is just a Chicago thing. Uh, when that's a notion that's promoted by the folks who are against the fair tax. So, uh, yeah, it's important that uh, Governor Pritzker sh uh, show a presence. And we were giving him credit yesterday, you know, that uh, he's a little different than Bloomberg, the other uh, billionaire, yeah. uh, and that he gets out there and hustles and meets people and greets people. And so, yeah, good sign for J.B. You know, just I'm feeling J.B. Pritzker these days, I think, as a governor, um, I mean, I guess I appreciate him most of all because he cut through the uh, the reefer bill. Although um, there was a story in today's paper about the CHA, we'll get into that later. As you know, there's still some uh, things that have to be tidied up with uh, the, the the legalization bill, but got to give him credit for that. 
And uh, this would be the portion of the uh, local news segment when I would maybe refer uh, J.B. Pritzker to a nice place to eat downstate. Yeah, I can't do it. They're all awful. Chicago <laughs> has the better food, without a doubt. Hope what you about packed steak a lunch. and shake? Steak and shake. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome stuff there. In other states, Arby's. Oh, now don't get me started on Arby's, all right? <laughs> Love me some Arby's. All right. Another statewide news, and get ready for a classic Ben Jarofsky show interview tease after this one. We have an update on what the Chicago Sun-Times and Tina Fondellas is calling the highest profile and most competitive Democratic congressional primary in Illinois the third congressional district race. Things got heated in the Chicago Sun-Times editorial boardroom on Wednesday between incumbent third congressional district congressman, lowercase d, Dan Lipinski, and challenger Marie, capital D, Newman. <laughs> and no, I'm not talking about how things get heated here in the sauna, also known as the Chicago Sun-Times Benny J studio. <laughs> it's just really hot in here. <laughs> Who was it yesterday was peeling off? Was it Rod Sawyer? I mean, God, it's hot in here. Everybody. Yeah, Maya on Tuesday, too. It's hot in <laughs> here. <laughs> I'm just talking pure political tension, people. Tina Spondelis continues. Representative Dan Lipinski <laughs> is still licking his wounds over Democratic challenger Marie Newman's wish two years ago that he have a, quote, painful election night. During Wednesday's editorial board meeting, Newman said Wednesday that she has one regret about that remark, that she didn't say it to his face. Oh, it's on, Benny J. <laughs> Yeah, uh, today's Sun-Times grudge rematch uh, is the headline, and the story accentuates uh, this remark uh, that uh, Marie Newman... That's kind of funny that uh, Dan Lipinski uh, would be so offended by this remark, and they made such a big deal about it in the article. Let me tell you something about Lipinski. They come, the Southwest Side political organization, William Lipinski is the father. He handed it off to his son, Danny Lipinski, allies of Michael Joseph Madigan, the Southwest Side Democrats. They play rough. They play dirty. Uh, they've been known for doing that. They tear up signs. They uh, try to intimidate the opponents uh, into um, dropping out of the race, challenging petitions, old-school uh, Chicago machine tactics. Uh, on the southwest side of Chicago. And now they're crying, oh, oh, oh Marie Newman's mean. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's um, it's so funny. And then they're trying, and here's the other thing, uh, Dan Lipinski, who's probably the, the Democrat in, in Congress most likely to vote with Donald Trump, is accusing uh, Marie Newman of being like Donald Don, uh, John Trump. He goes, it worked for President Trump, but I don't think that's what people really want to, uh, to be here, uh, Lipinski said. Well, they don't, more than the uh, Trump tweets and his nastiness they don't like his policies you know what about that so uh this this is a very important race from a ideological standpoint uh beyond the nastiness and the the mean remarks and that kind of thing. Yes, this goes all the way back to Newman Lipinski round one, election night 2018. With Lipinski taking a razor thin lead, Newman refused to concede and told her supporters she hoped Lipinski was, quote, having a very painful evening. Newman told Lipinski Wednesday, quote, you deserved it because of the negative campaign tactics the Chicago Democratic political machine used against her. Newman said the remark came out of pent up anger over the nastiness of the campaign, including push text messages in which she was accused of being anti-Catholic. Here's the quote from Newman regarding Lipinski. Quote, My mom said rosaries for this guy because he was lying so much. Newman and Lipinski were asked whether uh, their relationship had improved or worsened since the 2018 election in which Lipinski faced the toughest political battle of his life. Newman lost to Lipinski by less than 3% of the primary vote. To put such an emphasis on the personalities uh, and whether they like each other sort of misses the point. There's big ideological differences between the two. 
that are worth exploring. And um, I mean, there's bad blood all over the place in uh, in politics. It's a competitive game. You run against somebody, you challenge somebody, they get mad at you, they hold a grudge for a long time. So, you know, just to just to act as though the most significant thing in the race is the bad blood between these two candidates is sort of missed the larger point uh, that Democrats have a real choice down there in the third congressional. Which direction do they want to go? Uh, do they want to have a representative who's Democratic in name, but is an ally uh, more or less of Donald Trump? on many issues, who's a little weak on issues like health care, uh, that's their choice to go with Lipinski if that's the case. Uh, do they want a person who's going to be more likely uh, to stand with like Bernie or Elizabeth Warren or whoever the Democratic nominee is in terms of promoting uh, health care for all? Then Marie Newman is your choice. So, uh, you know, if, if you're a conservative, you should go with Lipinski. If you're a liberal or a moderate, and a moderate, I, in terms of Democratic moderate, then you should go with Newman. And it doesn't really matter if they don't like each other. Most politicians who've run against each other, despite what uh, you know Rod Sawyer was saying yesterday, don't like each other. You know why? Because they ran against each other. <laughs> when asked about the relationship, if it's gotten any better or worse, Lipinski said, quote, well, I can't say that it hasn't gotten any better. This past April, instead of apologizing for her election night remarks, she doubled down and made a claim that the reason that she said that it's something to do with supposedly something uh, Mr. Lipinski said and his camp had done directly against her, her children or her family. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Come on. Painful evening. What? How is that even that bad? Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of stuff that Trump says every day in a tweet, you know, <laughs> painful evening. Yeah, if that's all the ammo Lipinski's gotten in this meeting, I say uh, Marie Newman's doing OK. But, right? the, but yeah, but then like the packaging. So like, is there a voter in the third congressional who's like, I'm going to vote for Lipinski because I think Marie Newman is mean. That's not nice. Maybe there are. You know what I'm saying? Um what is it, Marge Halpern, when she comes to the studio, talks about how the swing voters uh, in Wisconsin and Michigan uh, don't like it. You know, the Democrats being too aggressive and coming after Trump or in impeachment or the impeachment's not real. Uh, it's not a realistic concern. They don't think about it. And there's there's this concern that some Dems have that you can't be mean. You have to be nice and you have to promote uh, bipartisanship, even though there's no evidence that bipartisan exists anywhere in any universe other than occasionally Dan Lipinski voting with Donald Trump on something like health care. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not even quite sure what Marie Newman, based on, uh, you know, what was in the story, has to apologize for. Well, we're going to be talking more with Marie Newman later on today. Isn't that right, Ben? Marie Newman will be here in about uh, an hour, 45 minutes, and Marie Newman uh, will be talking about all the issues. I'm going to ask her about the grudge rematch. Uh, whether see maybe she'll apologize in this show. Sorry, Dan, uh, but also get into some of the you know the differences, the ideological differences between her and Lipinski, particularly on the issue of health care. It's a very important issue. I think that's the fundamental issue for Democrats. Uh, that's something I agree with Marge Hopper on. Uh, that it's clear that this country is is ready to take the the next move on health care. You know, if you think of it as an evolution, Obamacare is leading to uh, Medicare for all. That was like the first step. Somehow or other, we were we were told that any kind of health care plan that would threaten the domination of the employee based insurance. Uh, private insurance plans that have existed in our country for all these years. Some any step like toward, uh, away from that model was a step toward what totalitarianism, communism. The world didn't end when Obamacare uh, was passed. Now I think this country's like, oh, maybe we can take the next step. You know, so um, Marie yeah. Newman coming up later, guys. Don't miss it. Finally, we got to keep tabs on our Chicago mayor. It's the mayor goes to Washington day two. Oh. 
Did we do day one? Yesterday. Oh, Good Lord. <laughs> Lori Lightfoot is still in our nation's capital. This morning, she spoke at the U.S. Conference of Mayors annual winter meeting. The mayor has been chumming it up with her mayoral peers. And Vendorovsky, word around D.C. is that the mayor is pretty well liked. In fact, one mayor has gone on the record saying, quote, aside from the luncheon thing, she's pretty cool. <laughs> Well, that would make her different than Bernie. Remember, nobody liked Bernie. Everybody likes Lori. Okay. She loves luncheons, everybody. For those wondering who Mayor Lightfoot is backing in the upcoming 2020 Democratic presidential primary, well, Illinois Politico was wondering the same thing. They asked her before she took off to D.C., and we have the quotes. Shout out to Illinois Politico. People, do yourself a favor. Go subscribe to it and stay up to date on all things Illinois news. Now, Ben, remember, the last time our mayor got involved in the POTUS race... You were feeling it, buddy. It was when she interviewed former South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Let's see if she goes two for two. And guys, no, we're not counting the time she interviewed Hillary Clinton. How did you go from sharing <laughs> stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, uh, good, question. good question. That was the last oh, election. Oh, Maya, don't get her started on that interview. <laughs> she said about the presidential primary yeah. that it's, quote, way too soon to tell who's really going to catch fire and sustain it. But she's quick to call out glaring problems within her party. She said that sexism and a lack of diversity continue to be a major drag within the Democratic Party and something needs to be done to address it. There was a tremendous amount of sexism that permeated the Democratic side in 2016, which is supremely disappointing. A phenomenon that has her watching very closely to see how Bernie Sanders responds to criticism from Hillary Clinton that his campaign has been rife with sexism. The quote continues, there was a concerted narrative out there about Hillary that was insulting to all women, especially women in leadership, Lightfoot said of the 2016 race. I'd be lying if I didn't say women in leadership continue to face significant challenges, and it's not just some distant Republican opposition. We have to get our house in order as Democrats when it comes to opening up real opportunities for leadership on the part of women. And while she says it's too early to say which candidate clinches Democratic support, she said that the lack of diversity exemplified by the departures of Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, and Julian Castro in recent weeks is a, quote, great disappointment. The only way to counter it, the mayor said, is to engage diverse communities and give those voters a reason to care about what's happening at the presidential level. If we don't do that, we will not be successful. Lightfoot added that it's challenging that the first two contests of the election season are in Iowa and New Hampshire, States that are overwhelmingly white. We I have, agree, we I have agree, more here, but go ahead. Ben. I agree with most of what she said, actually. Uh, and if I had to read between the lines, it seems like she's gearing up to endorse Elizabeth Warren. Uh, by the way, I got in the mail today, Elizabeth Warren brochure. I oh, did opening. you? I think it's a fundraising appeal. I need your help, it said. Well, how'd they get my name? I'm on the Tea Party list and the Elizabeth Warren list. Uh, but no, it seems like, uh, I, I would have, it seems like that's where she's heading. But uh, she makes a lot of compelling points. And uh, the lack of diversity, I, I presume she's speaking about uh, a racial and ethnic diversity uh, with the Democratic Party. I, th- I really believe whoever is the nominee should uh, nominate uh, a black woman as uh, running mate. I've said we were talking about that yesterday with Rod Sawyer and, and Monroe Anderson. I just I believe that's the way to go for the Democratic Party. Uh, I think it's easy to overlook the base. And, and I keep tripping over this this central question. Um, why did black voters not go to Cory Booker or Kamala Harris. And it's just like we're avoiding some central points here. We talk about a lack of diversity in the Democratic Party, uh, and yet the voters who 
decide who the, the leaders are, we're not going for the black candidates. So each time we have a guest on the show, I ask them, well, why is that? And, you know, questions all over them. The answers are all over the map. Uh, remember, who was it? Letitia Wallace blamed me for not giving money. She was just teasing, but blame me for not giving money to uh, Kamala Harris's campaign. Um, so, yeah, the uh, I, th- I believe that the fastest way the Democrats can deal with this issue, uh, obviously a white person is going to be the nominee. So uh, it's either going to be Biden, Warren or uh, Bernie Sanders, in my opinion, if I had to put the money down and uh, in Vegas uh, or Indiana, I guess they're taking bets in Indiana now. Um, I would put those one of the three candidates I think will win it. And whoever it is should uh, have a black woman in uh, Stacey Abrams. I'm feeling Stacey Abrams. But yeah, so Lori's central point, if you're going to uh, ask black voters in uh, Milwaukee and Detroit and Chicago to really believe in your party, you know, show them a little something. So. That's right. my view on that. More national political punditry from our mayor. She said she's looking for a candidate to foc- uh, focus on, quote, a broad urban agenda that is centered on equity and inclusion and putting resources in cities. And said Mike Bloomberg, a latecomer to the Democratic field, has addressed some of those issues. A gesture Lightfoot sees as genuine. Okay, so there we go. Out open uh, diversity, out open window, throw out the window. Michael Bloomberg. I mean, you know. I've not seen Michael Bloomberg uh, put forth an urban agenda. The old-fashioned urban agenda that existed back in the days of the 70s and 80s when Harold Washington was mayor. Uh, I haven't seen that. You know, instead we have mayors from different cities competing with each other to try to bring in the Walmarts of the world, excuse me, the Amazons of the world, with with handouts. So I've not seen any mayor. Michael. Now, I can't blame Michael Bloomberg for New York City throwing billions at Amazon. Amazon, uh, uh, eventually the, the deal fell apart and Amazon didn't bring its second headquarters to New York City. So I can't blame Bloomberg for that because de Blasio was the one who did that and uh, Governor Cuomo. But uh, I've not seen Bloomberg or any person in this country, any mayor in this country, talk uh, about bringing together an urban agenda that would force Washington to spend more money on cities, uh, particularly help cities out with educational needs. And um, I mean, Chicago, there's so much inequity in the city of Chicago. I just wrote about this for the reader. And in our public school system, we have a public school system that where if you're in a relatively wealthy uh, north side neighborhood, you could raise a lot of money to supplement whatever allowance the, the central office gives you. And if you're in a poor neighborhood in the south or west side, obviously the parents don't have the money uh, to supplement it. So you have to make do on your own. It's inequity right there. And we need more money for our public schools so that we can iron out some of these inequities. I don't see any uh, organized effort by mayors or governors to call for an urban agenda. So, you know. It's just funny. It's a little inconsistency in the part of... Now, maybe Mayor Lightfoot can convince you on old Bloomberg here. We have more quotes from Lightfoot about Bloomberg. All right. Uh, She says here, quote, look at his philanthropic giving. This is not a new issue, Lightfoot said. He's not a newly invested person focusing on the black community. But having said that, stop and frisk is a significant issue. I don't think he's shying away from that, which I appreciate. Bloomberg and all the Democratic nominees should be judged on their larger, quote, body of work. I'm looking at the broad landscape, not just the one or two issues that get reported in the media. <laughs> Looks like, I mean, I mean, you know, maybe she's uh, going to endorse Bloomberg. Uh, 
Michael Bloomberg and Stop and Frisk, we were talking about this yesterday. Michael Bloomberg had an overnight conversion on the issue of Stop and Frisk uh, that occurred about the time he decided he was going to run for president. And when he was mayor of New York City, he was a big advocate of stop and frisk in which police just stopped ordinary people, most of them black on the street, whisked them away uh, to jail and figured that was a a good step on the road uh, to uh, reducing crime. And, uh, of course, it was unfair. It uh, was unconstitutional. Uh, it uh, led to discrimination, discriminatory patterns of law enforcement. There are lawsuits filed against it. Uh, in, in the current presidential race, it's sort of a kiss of death, you know, uh, to a promoted uh, stop and frisk. And uh, so he's running for president as a Democrat. Boom. Overnight. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was wrong in that stop and frisk. Yeah. Now you're you're saying you're wrong. Uh, so, I, you know, it's not as though um, I see an effort by Michael uh, Bloomberg to try to figure out what he should have done, what should have been done, uh, new uh, techniques and tactics and policing. It's more or less his attempt to diffuse an issue that could be held against him. So. Uh, Lori's uh, been drinking that Michael Bloomberg Kool-Aid. There's a lot of it going around. Uh, Congressman Bobby Rush had some. Let me see if it tastes good. I hope I oh, you have some, huh? Oh, what's that taste like? Really rich, I bet. <laughs> it's very It's like really rich, sugary hot chocolate. <laughs> I've not been feeling the Bloomberg uh, Kool-Aid, but, you know, hold on. Let me try a little more. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Remember, like I was coming drink, around. I, I was drinking the Kamala Kool Aid uh, for a while, and uh, oh, she she stumbled on this issue herself. Uh, so she should have pulled a Bloomberg. She should have just said, "I was absolutely wrong, and now I see the light." Which is, you know, okay, you've had a conversion, but on the other hand, she doesn't have billions of dollars that she could throw around. So I wonder if, uh, you know, like Glory Lightfoot would be so open minded. Well, she saw the light so <laughs> three times in one week yes it's true illinois governor jb pritzker is doing governory stuff outside <laughs> the city of chicago he had his writing hand ready and a pen in his pocket today he was at the state capitol at the central county's health centers signing legislation this particular legislation caps insulin costs for 1.3 million illinoisans telling this progressive legislation from jb pritzker michael bloomberg are you paying attention yes you could be a progressive billionaire just because you have a billion dollars doesn't mean you have to be some right of center guy. You could be like J.B. Pritzker. And Bloomberg, are you paying attention? J.B. Pritzker goes places and talks to people. That too. <laughs> I'm not just throwing one here. Just, I don't want to talk to you. Just take my money and vote for me, please. Uh, that too. <laughs> Although, we'll take the money. Don't listen to Dr. D. We'll take the money. Ugh. Keep running those ads. Events? Ooh, icky. Just take my money. Vote for me. That's my Bloomberg. I've never heard the guy talk in my life. By the way, keep running the ads. Don't listen to the doctor. Go ahead. Then J.B. Pritzker was off to Carlinville, Illinois. Carlinville. Yes, we used to play Carlinville in high school, right near where I grew up. Did they name it after George? Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Whoa. I my caught mind. him off with that one. I wasn't expecting that my one. My mind's blown. Not a 618 area code. Uh, 217. Do you agree that George Carlin's uh, in the top three of any greatest comics of all time list? Go. I mean, had nothing to do with the local news, but yeah. Okay. I just needed to know that. Go ahead. All right. He was off to Carlinville, Illinois. J.B. Pritzker was to the Carlinville Intermediate School to discuss investments in early childhood education. Boy, he's trying to hit that early childhood education 
home there. He was doing that yesterday as well. As for our Chicago mayor, it's the mayor goes to Washington day three. Did we talk about Don't that? even. <laughs> Lori, Sorry, man. Lori Lightfoot is still at that Winter Mayor's Conference in oh D.C. God, that's a long conference. Today, she's moderating the Lessons Learned, Preventing, Preparing for, and Responding to Mass Shootings panel mm. discussion. Meanwhile, on the home front, back here in Chicago, all of the Chicago political know-it-alls, including our very own Ben Jarofsky, <laughs> are talking about Mayor Lightfoot's primary election endorsements. Or at least when it comes to the 2020 presidential race, her non-endorsements. And it's really her reasoning behind it that has everyone discussing. We touched on this yesterday, but the Chicago Sun-Times and Lynn Sweet put out more details after we ended the program. Here's Lynn Sweet. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, a Democratic progressive, is going to make a presidential endorsement before the March 17th Illinois primary. And after talking to her on Thursday, I'm pretty sure it's not going to go to progressive rivals, senators, Bernie Sanders, or Elizabeth Warren. Lori said that she's, quote, apparently not progressive enough for Bernie Sanders or Liz Warren. You're not going to believe it here. Mayor Lightfoot actually brought up how the two candidates, Warren and Sanders, supported the teachers and not reached out to her during 2019 Chicago teacher strike, proving once again that this mayor holds on to a grudge tighter than a scared <laughs> kid on a carnival ride. <laughs> All right, let me just add a couple things. Number one. In all due respect to Lori Lightfoot, I voted for Lori Lightfoot. Not yes, once, but twice. Oh, okay? my. I voted for Lori Lightfoot. Uh, I don't think Lori Lightfoot really qualifies as a progressive. Now, I I realize the word has been so used and overused and abused that it has no meaning anymore. And to a large degree, people have turned to the word progressive because they don't want to use the word liberal anymore. The word liberal has been tarnished by years of pounding and bashing by the Republicans. They'll get around to pounding and bashing progressive and then liberals slash progressives will go to another word. Now, I just call them lefties, but you know, that's not a very popular word uh, either. So, but everybody wants to be a progressive. It still hasn't been tarnished. And I would say that Lori Lightfoot is more of an old-fashioned Chicago lakefront liberal. And as such, uh, they adhere to certain conventional notions of reform. Uh, and uh, as such, they uh, are here, adhere to conventional notions that you don't slam your wealthiest people hard with a tax because you want wealthy people to live in the city of Chicago. So a progressive is somebody who really champions the notion of a progressive tax that taxes the rich to expand programs for the poor. That's not where Lori Lightfoot is coming from. So I don't know why she would even want to call herself a progressive. She's more of a moderate centrist. Democrat. That's just, I'm not, that's nothing wrong with that, right, D? Okay, it's a big 10. I'm just, all right. I just, that's how I view it. So why she would feel compelled to say, I, Lori Lightfoot, I'm a progressive. I don't understand it. She didn't run as a progressive. Well, I guess she kind of did run as a progressive. She's not really ruling as a progressive. Yeah. So I, this notion that the most progressive candidates um, in the uh, presidential race, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, would be attractive to a person who's essentially an old-fashioned Chicago reformer liberal, I don't see why they would be attractive. For, I'd say her inclination would be to be supporting, I don't know, 
Joe Biden or Pete Buttigieg or Amy Klobuchar. Those would be the people uh, that I would expect that Lori Lightfoot would want to support in the first place. So um, I don't know. Just being uh, a black LGBTQ mayor does not necessarily make her a progressive in terms of economic and social justice issues. Just throwing that out there, D, is just a, a general thought. Here's the quote from Lori on Warren and Sanders. Quote, it is what it is. They haven't reached out. They've been to Chicago. They were very supportive of the Chicago Teachers Union (laughs) strike, but didn't feel it was necessary to talk to the new black LGBTQ mayor. Mm -hmm. I'm certainly not endorsing somebody that has never bothered to reach out. So the other person that I haven't heard from directly is Biden. (laughs) Joey B. (laughs) And the hits keep coming, people. Lynn Sweet then asked Lightfoot what she is looking for. In a Democratic nominee, Lightfoot said, quote, well, number one, I'm looking for somebody that I think truly has a shot at beating Trump because the idea of four more years of Trump is incredibly frightening to me. So that's number one for me. Obviously, I'm looking for somebody whose values align with mine. I think the American people are incrementalists. We're not looking for revolution. We're looking for somebody who is practical, who's speaking to the values of the person. Who's worrying about whether they have a paycheck? I can just hear our live stream chat room typing away right well, now. Well, I'm about ready to type away right now. <laughs> I remember reading it. Great, by the way. Can we give a shout out to Lynn Sweet? It was a very well done column. That's uh, correct. Uh, the way she just did a very good job with this comment. Go ahead. So she says, we're looking for somebody who's, who is practical, who's speaking to the values of the person, who's worrying about whether they have a paycheck, whether they're going to be able to take care of their kids, may have savings, build a future, and somebody who is going to be smart and able to put together a good team to take on the challenges that Americans are facing. But I think also for me as a mayor, I'm looking for somebody who recognizes that mayors and particularly big city mayors touch the lives of more Americans on a day-to-day basis than anybody else. And that the direct delivery of services to our people is critically important every single day. Lynn Sweet went on to say that the light foot breadcrumbs seem to be leading to Amy Klobuchar, <laughs> Michael Bloomberg, or Ben, cover your ears, Mayor Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> Dennis's favorite candidate, just kidding. How'd you know? <laughs> wow. All right. Wow, there's so much to unpack there. I mean, let's just start with the notion of what does she call it? Incrementalist Americans are not uh, most Americans are not uh, revolutionary. They're incrementalist. You know, funny moderates. I've been listening to mayors for a long time when it comes to some change that they want. It's not incremental. It's we got to do it now. Change is hard, but we got to do it right. How many times have we heard a mayor or a mayor tell us? I know change is hard. I know change is hard for you to take, but we're just going to have to make you take this medicine. It's usually when they're trying to get us to do something we don't want to do. Like when they want to just try take tell old people in the city of Chicago, we're cutting your pensions. That's it. Eat gruel, granny. Change is hard. I know it is. But you got to take it because we need the money. All right? Oh, so that's like no incrementalism there for granny. It's going to take away granny's food. <laughs> You know what I'm saying, D? I it, will now be using eat, grow, granny in my daily vocabulary. That I is mean, excellent. There's no incrementalism when they want to snatch a pension from some uh, pensioner. No incrementalism there, okay? Now, how about when they want to give us Amazon and take $2 billion of our dollars? 
Well, what's the incrementalism there? We need to have a major change in the city of Chicago. We need this giant boost. We need a revolution of money. Go to Amazon. It's funny. They only want to be incrementalists when it involves something that most people want, like health care. I'm sorry, you're asking for too much, people. You shouldn't have to. You're asking, it's too expensive. We can't afford health care. That's a revolution. And Americans don't like revolutions. Most Americans want health care. I got news for you. This incrementalism stuff doesn't really work for people when you got to pay your bills. She talks about paying bills. How are you going to pay your bills when you, you're broke because you can't afford a basic medical, medical expenses? So I just I find it, I have to tell you, folks, I've been covering Chicago politics for so long. And I always irritates me when I hear a mayor talk about the need for sweeping change when it's change that nobody wants, but let's just stop. We can't afford it when it's something that people do want. So I, I just have a, I believe the American people are ready, D. Oh yeah, I think they're ready for some serious health care. I think right now, if you take uh, Bernie Sanders numbers in the polls and Elizabeth Warren's numbers in the polls, they, you, you add them together, they're probably close to 50%. And guess what? They're the ones calling for Medicare for all. So definitely the Democratic Party, uh, the, the people are ready for health care. And I just think a lot of people who are in the Trump column are ready for health care as well. So this notion that somehow or other, you know, going slow on things that people really want is uh, practical and pragmatic I would like to think that it's practical and pragmatic to be able to pay your housing bills and your medical bills at the same time yeah I think uh, Lori Lightfoot's made her first mistake of 2020 taking this interview with Lynn's tweet <laughs> no just, it just yeah, the quotes on here are just too much here what did she say here uh, I'm looking for somebody who recognizes that mayors and particularly big city mayors touch the lives of more Americans I'm looking for someone that thinks I'm incredible <laughs> now okay and then the other thing <laughs> Uh, and she starts off by talking about the teacher strike and the fact that Bernie uh, Sanders and Elizabeth Warren came to town uh, uh, to stand with the teachers. And I'm just going to point out reality. And this is the reality. There were, what, 24,000 teachers uh, and there were teacher aides and there were uh, uh, bus uh, aides on the picket line. These are like bread and butter working people who are the heart and soul of the Democratic Party. If, on the other hand, you had Lori Lightfoot and her board saying we can't afford nurses. All right, let's go revisit that issue. We can't afford nurses or we can't, we can't be obligated to put those nurses uh, in guarantee of uh, those nurses being hired in a contract. All right. So what do you want Biden and Sanders and Warren to do? stand with the one mayor and her handpicked board or the 25,000 heart and soul type people of the Democratic Party? I, at some point, you got to realize that any practical, pragmatic Democratic politician should be on the side of the teachers. Because I got news for you folks. When Biden, Sanders, and Warren, whoever is the nominee, Go out, send the troops out to Wisconsin, Michigan, Iowa, Pennsylvania, all those swing states. They're going to be calling on teachers, rank and file, working class Democrats to go knock on the doors. You know, it's not going to be Lori Lightfoot and 
her handpicked board doing a knocking on the doors. It's going to be some regular old school teachers, teachers aides, et cetera, and so forth. So I can't blame Sanders and Warren for standing with the teachers. I'm glad that they did it. So I think Lori's got to get over that one, D. I don't know. Of course, I was on the side of the teachers, too. I guess I'm just biased. All right. So that's really all the news we're going to cover here uh, on the local news segment of the day. Now we go to you, the YouTube live stream chat room. By the way, if you're listening on the download and you've yet to listen to the Ben Jarofsky show live, well, you really should. It's a fantastic time. You can watch us do the show if that's your thing. See Ben's bull's hat. Go, Bulls, go. How about those Bulls, Sunday? Please don't talk about that. Zion Williamson. The live stream chat room is always uh, on and popping. Go check it out sometime if you're listening on the download. We highly advise it. All right. Brianna weighed in. She started off here uh, weighing in on Mayor Lightfoot's comments here. She put, incrementalist, really? So <laughs> if you're a hungry, poor Chicagoan, you should just wait for help uh, in an increments. I'm just about done with LL, says Brianna. <laughs> well, that's what I was saying, Brianna. I, uh, Ramana Hussein has entered the building. Ramana Hussein has entered. Ramana Hussein is no incrementalist. Can't wait to hear what she says about this. What do you think about Brianna's comment? Uh, I think Brianna's right on. It's pretty much what I agree with. It's like... When uh, an ordinary Chicagoan like wants something like I don't know healthcare, that's like a revolution we can't afford. Uh, so you know, I I feel as though incrementalism uh, is a word that's being abused in this particular instance. Shout out to Dragon Slayer nineteen and buddy, if you keep this up, I know who's going to be live chat champion. Dragon Slayer nineteen says, uh, "quote I can only endorse someone if they personally court me." <laughs> okay. That's exactly right. And then he says, yeah, I'm thinking that uh, she wants to endorse Bloomberg. Well, that's what we were talking about yesterday, uh, you know, Michael Bloomberg. I, I think that's one of the candidates has actually talked to her. I think I got that clear. I mean, to a certain degree, D, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, now I'm going to go be fair to Lori Lightfoot. You know, we're all just human beings and human beings have, you know, general feelings. And, you know, if uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren come to town and stand up with the teachers and hug uh, Stacey Davis Gates uh, and don't show any love to Lori Lightfoot, she may, you know, she may remember that. Our friend Roe weighed in and said, uh, Lori is going for Biden, I bet. I don't know. She said Biden didn't call her either. Right. <laughs> Biden, I, you better get on the phone, buddy. McJoey B. Get oh, on I just read the paper. Lori, are you there? Please. Oh, that's my Biden. That's your Biden imitation. Oh, God. No, who does that sound like? That's not Biden. That's somebody else. That's a really old person. Uh, <laughs> hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, 
P-I-A-N-I-S-T.com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Manuel.